The following audio is from Resurrection Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about the church or if you would like to know more about when our community meets, please visit our website at resurrectionchat.org. If you're ever in the Chattanooga area, we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 a.m. We're located at 1800 Rossville Avenue in the south side of Chattanooga. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight Oh, I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm And the fire is slowly dying But my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Good morning again, friends. If you're just tuning in, my name is Ryan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection. That was Daniel, and uh, he obviously is the worship director. He's multi-talented and has all sorts of gifts, and um, uh, if... Everything's coming in nice and clear, and it looks appealing. It's because Daniel and Jonathan. So we just want to extend that uh, gratitude um, to them and how grateful we are for, for it. Uh, again, if, if you are just tuning in um, to get a more robust experience with us, if you will, if it's a high-definition one, go down to the corner uh, of your screen, little thing that says settings, where you click from auto to 720, and that'll be the, um, the resolution that is at least available um, to all of us right now. And so let's uh, pray and take a, take a deep breath, and let's just consider uh, the passage that we have uh, before us. Let's pray with, uh, together. Jesus, uh, we are so thankful that we can say with joy and gratitude the promised one has come. While we don't fully understand all of the implications of that, we can't fully wrap our minds around the complexities, we don't even completely and fully understand the purposes and how that you are forming and shaping us to be conformed to your will in order to fulfill your purposes here on the earth. Even though we don't have all of that, we still celebrate that you have come, that love was embodied and came to dwell amongst us, and we rejoice in that. The light has shone into the darkness, and the darkness will not, cannot, impossible for it to overcome the light. And we are so gracious and so thankful for that reality. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of the hearts of 
those tuning in right now be acceptable in your sight, who is our rock and redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to be looking at a passage this morning that is very clear. We don't need to really wonder what's being said. We don't need to place the passage within its context. We just don't need to do that this morning. Sometimes one of the most difficult things for a pastor, for a priest, or for anybody that studies the Bible and tries to apply it to 21st century um, is taking a document, a book that is indeed 2,000 plus years old, that is layered with uh, cultural norms that you and I don't follow, that is, that is layered with uh, com uh, complex antiquity that we don't fully understand, and at times feels irrelevant to our moment, our cultural time. But we don't have to do any of that. Uh, we're going to talk about something that just Jesus makes very clear. We're going to talk about something that you and I probably are dealing with right now at this moment. If you say, right, I'm not dealing with it right now, you will, or you, will, you have, or you will again. We're going to talk about worry. We're going to talk about the stress of worrying. And what does Jesus have to say about that? Some right now are worried about money because what you did is you spent way more than you thought and you got on your app and you opened up uh, your checking account or savings account and you looked at the balance and you just went, oh my goodness, I spent way too much this year. Because year 2020 has been really difficult, and we wanted to make it as exciting for those that we love as possible, and now you have that pit in your stomach that has immediately come, and you just go, oh my goodness, I spend way too much. Some might be worrying about your family, because what you did is you spent some time with them over the holidays, over Christmas, at some point from, you know, December until now, and, and, and you worry because it's still complex. There's still tension there. You tried to resolve a situation. You tried to offer forgiveness, uh, but it didn't work out that way. You got hung up on politics or you, you talked about religion or something went awry and you realized that your family is still broken and you wonder if you're ever going to have a relationship with them again. And we worry about that. Some of us are worried about the future because it is so uncertain. Will my kids ever go back to school? <laughs> I'm worried about that. Um, will I find a house for my family in a market that, that is hard to find homes? Will, will I get the job that I need? Or I need another job. Should I take this job? Others are worried about their marriages because what Advent and Christmas does is it, it focuses laser on your, 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 your life. It's like, a, it's like a magnifying glass. And so you're worried about your marriage, maybe. Um, you're worried if he will ever propose to you or will depression that you feel dominate your life. Will you, you always feel alone. Will you ever get out of debt? On and on and on, we can just continue to think about and worry. But Jesus comes and he says something that is so clear, it almost is offensive. It's difficult. It feels impossible or at least unfair. He says, don't do it. 
you have your Bibles or it's going to be on your screen, on the screen, it's Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 34. Friends, this is the word of God, so let's give it our careful attention. And he being Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither uh, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small as a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, other translations say, dear ones, fear not. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not uh, grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, or moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Dear friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, friends, gives three very clear and direct commands in this passage, and that's what I want us to hear. These are three points to a sermon. Uh, these aren't suggestions. These are our loving Heavenly Father telling us what he wants us to do. The scripture says, clearly, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey. And so I want these words uh, to have a little bit more weight this morning. I want them, I want you to feel them in your soul, in your heart, because these are the commands of Jesus. And we're going to look at three of them, very simply. We're going to be together not very long this morning, but we're going to look at three of them. First, don't worry. Second, consider. Third, seek. So first, do not worry. This is what's curious about this, is just the command causes you to want to disobey. If I say, say don't worry, what's the first thing that happens? 
You begin to worry. If I said, do not think about a unicorn, don't think about a pink unicorn at all. With rainbow, don't, don't think about it. Don't do it. What happens? You start thinking about unicorns, right? It almost, when you say, don't worry, it's just like, it, it almost causes you to disobey it. Don't worry, don't worry about money. Why, why should I not worry about money? Just don't worry about it. Like, I have enough, don't worry. Well, what does it do? It causes us to begin to worry. It makes you think, like, what is that? Why did you say that? What's that all about? It's, after this is over, what if I just went home, I walked in the door, I looked at my wife, I gave her a kiss, I looked at her and said, sweetheart, don't worry about money. Immediately she'd be like, what are you, why should I worry about money? Do you know something I don't? She'd get her app out on her phone and she'd open the region's app and she's like, what do, you, what do you mean don't worry about money? It almost seems unfair to do this, right? It almost seems like sort of a, maybe a trick, but we know Jesus doesn't do that. It almost seems impossible, but yet here it is. It's very clear. I think oftentimes worry comes when we don't understand fully or see actually what's true. We worry about things because we don't see the full picture. We worry about things because we don't fully understand what's going on. We worry because we can't see the reality or we can't see the truth of what's really happening. But see, the difference is, is that when Jesus says, do not worry, this is a command coming from somebody that sees it more clearly than you and I do. It's coming from one that sees the beginning from the end, the, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He sees it all, and he says to us, don't worry. He has all the information. He understands the true reality. And the one who is saying that says, don't worry to us. It is someone that knows more about your money. It's somebody that knows more about your time, more about your body, more about your relationships, more about your resources. He knows more about your past. He knows more about your future. He's the one that says, don't worry. But he gives us kind of these three lights to shine on if you'll, if you'll look at this passage with me. Jesus says, don't worry, but yet he highlights the things that we worry about. I think we need to ask ourselves why. He says, don't do this, but yet here's three things that I know that you kind of worry about all the time. Uh, I think that Jesus understands that we worry. It's very clear in the scriptures that Jesus had worry and angst, and he felt anxious. But I think what he's trying to do is help us to focus on a different perspective in our life. Help us, he wants to do this sort of word, I mean, this kind of mental experiment here, what Jesus is doing in this passage. And the first thing that he sort of shines a light on is that when you worry, you are misunderstanding what life is really about. Think about this, look at verse 23. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. 
The things that you and I worry about aren't the essential things. You know and we do this a lot, very often. There are things deeper than that. There are more full and, and beautiful and important things. More things, more than what we wear or the possessions that we have. And if we think solely about those things, Jesus is saying that you're just kind of getting life wrong. That you're not focusing on the essential things. That you're, you're worrying about things that don't really matter. What you wear, what you own, what you, you're going to put on, what you're going to put in your mouth, what you're going to try. All of these things aren't the essential things in life. When he doesn't say that food and, and clothes aren't important. Jesus understands that our physical lives are important, but the light that Jesus is shining on here is that the things that you and I worry about and focus on are by far not the most important things. But yet we do it. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's sort of like I've already said, he's inviting us into a thought experiment. Don't worry. These are the things I know that you're going to worry about. What is he doing? It's a thought experiment. For instance, what if you opened up your app on your phone, whether it be regions or whatever it might be, and you opened it up and you, you, you checked the balance, maybe with just like this one eye open and you're just like, oh my gosh, what's it going to be? And you looked at it and you saw that you have more than enough. I don't know what more than enough would mean for you, but I'm talking more than enough. It's just no longer a worry anymore. What would you think about your life then? How would you view life then if you saw that money is no longer a thing? Maybe you won't get everything that you want. Maybe you won't take all the extravagant vacations that you've dreamt about. Maybe the, but what you need what, what, what is essential, you have enough and it's going to be all taken care of. How would you think about your life then? What would it look like? Would it be easier? Maybe. Maybe it might be a little easier if we have more than enough. But I think Jesus is calling us through this to examine what's deeper than that. I think he's wanting to get us past the surface of the things that you and I always think about and ask the question, what is life really about? If those things are going to be taken care of, if God is going to take care of those things, how would we should think about our life? Have you ever heard the phrase, oh, they're just set for life? They just, they're just set, they got it. Maybe somebody won the lottery or somebody did something or came into their inheritance. Or that landed like just this extraordinary job. And it's just going to be set for life. I think the, Jesus, the question that Jesus wants us to look at are the things that are just kind of deeper than, than that notion, that idea. What is life really about then? Is there more than just the things that you and I worry about? So that's the first line, that when we worry uh, about things like this, that we misunderstand what life is really about. I think the second thing is found in verse 5, and Jesus 
shines the second light, not verse 5, that is, I don't have it here, but that's fine, is worry doesn't work anyway. I think it was verse 25. Yes. And which of you being anxious could add a single hour to your span of life? The thing that he's trying to highlight here is worry doesn't work anyway. If you live to the age of 80, you will have lived 700,000 hours. 700,000 hours. And it doesn't matter how much you would worry, you can't add one hour to that. Not one. You can toil, you can be anxious, you can think about your life, you'll never add one hour to that lifespan. If you worried about relationships, and how they're gonna work out, and you toil, and you think through them, and all the layers, and she said this, and I felt this, and why didn't they do this, and how did this happen? Worrying about that is not gonna change the relationship at all. It won't change it. Worry, friends, Jesus wanted to highlight this light, that worry changes nothing. It just doesn't change anything. Worrying about your future or your money, it won't change anything. Worrying about your marriage won't change. Worrying about your kids, how they're going to turn out, not going to change. Worrying about the, the next tomorrow. It's not going to change tomorrow. Jesus is saying, well, it just doesn't work. It doesn't, it, it's not helpful and it doesn't work. I think the third light that Jesus is shining on in this passage is found in verse 30 and 32. Is that the Father provides for us. Father provides for us. Look at it. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. What are these things? What they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what they're going to put on, where they're going to sleep. All of the nations of the world, including ours, think about these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Your Father knows that you need them. Verse 32, fear not, little ones. Dear beloved ones, fear not, for your fathers, it's your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, what Jesus is doing is he's giving us a vision, a window into the Father through his life and his teaching. We couldn't have this assurance if Jesus didn't clearly say it. See, Jesus knows something that you and I don't know. He's giving us a vision of what we can't see. We couldn't see it without Jesus shining a light on it. And we still find it difficult to believe this, right? We still find it difficult to think he's a loving and good father and he is going to provide for me. We still find that hard to wrap our minds around. Sometimes it's because our, the, the examples of fathers in our life haven't been great. There's been some deep wounds, or maybe you didn't even grow up with a father, so you don't understand. So your, your, your idea of what a father does or what a father should do it is skewed. And every father in the room or watching knows that they have let down their children and their loved ones. So why does God use this language? Because he's the perfect example of a father. That he's involved and he sees you and he knows you. And he will care of any father worth their salt will give up anything for the ones that they love. And Jesus is saying that you have a father that will provide for you. 
He, it is his good pleasure to give you everything. See, here's what you and I struggle with. We struggle with seeing what's real, what's the reality. We are really, really good at seeing things that aren't real. If you just think about a little child having nightmares, they think about things that aren't real. I don't know how many times I've had conversations with my, my kids. Guys, it's just not real. Nobody's in the closet. Nobody's underneath the bed. Nobody's trying to grab at you. It's just not real. And we think it's simplistic, and we think it's, 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 it's small, or just like, ah, it's little children. You and I do this too. Our vision is faulty. It's, it's a family trait. It started with our sin of our first parents, that they were given this reality that the whole garden and everything around them is gonna take care of them and God is gonna provide them. But they looked at one thing and they said, God's not good and he's not gonna provide. We have, it's a family trait that's been passed on and passed on and passed on down all generations that we are better at seeing what is not than what is. We can see that, oh, we don't have enough relationships in our life, or we don't have enough that we're gonna be able to make it through this year or next year, or we don't see the way out. What Jesus is doing is he's highlighting and saying, one, your vision is faulty, but I see clearly, and I'm a father and I'm gonna care for you. You and I struggle with that. But he will provide and he will care for us. So the first thing that we do is we don't worry. We do this because we're able to see what God is showing us through his son Jesus. But the second is that we consider. Now this is the one that struck me the most, friends. He, he says simple things like, stop and look at birds and flowers. See it, this is a command. This is not something that's like a, a, something that we'll put on the reflection portion of our order of worship. It, it, it's not something to think, it's a, it's a command. Go look at the birds, go look at the flower. See it. Have you ever thought that by gazing upon a bird, that by gazing upon a flower, that seeing a tree blow in the wind, or talking to somebody and hearing their story, that those are messages from God. Or they could be messages from God. That through the rain, the sun, the flowers, the falling leaves, the birds, the trees, the stories of people are all messages of God's love and provision for you. That you can gaze upon a bird and look and consider and think. And through that, God is saying, how much more do I love you? How much more do I consider you? I, I see, friends, my, I, I don't do this enough. Maybe you don't either. I get distracted from the noise. I get laser focused on something. I am not the one to sit in a lotus position and do anything. I am not the one to casually walk through a garden and gaze. But Jesus is saying, do it. Why? Because when you look at those things, God speaks to them, through them to us. Consider what he's doing. 
Consider that these are messages from God speaking of his love and provision to us. Saying, I love you. I will provide for you. It's me. Through these things, he reveals who he is. And oftentimes, we don't stop long enough to see it or to hear it. To hear God's message. Jesus is saying, stop and look at the birds and the flowers. Because Jesus is seeing what you and I don't. Unless Jesus said, do this, we would never look at a bird or a flower you know, or the grass and think, God does so much for them. How much would he do for something, for a person, for a human being that has the imprint of the Imago Dei? that has the imprint of God on them. <laughs> have you ever been or received a message from God through an apple? Right now, you can go to Publix, or you could go to Food City, or you can go to Pruitt's if you're on the mountain. You, there's a lot of places that you can go and you can walk in and you can pick up an apple. And yes, it's a Honeycrisp. By far the best ones that have ever existed in the earth. You can pick up a Honeycrisp apple. And you've ever taken a bite of it, the complexities, the snap, the sweetness, and thought, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, you might think I'm being silly right now. You might think it's goofy. I'm, I'm not. I'm not being silly. Like, even in something as sweet as, or as simple or as ordinary as taking a bite of an apple, that's a message from the risen Lord Jesus saying, I provide for you, I love you, I'm gonna care for you. I'm not just wanting to provide substance, I want it to be sweet. I, I want it to grasp your imagination. I want you to ponder on the beauty of who I am in something as simple as an app. I have a feeling some people can go out and buy some apples later. <laughs> Last night, friends, um, I was, I was, Abby came into the kitchen and her S's don't come out uh, in all of her, the S's don't, so it's, it's, it's Peschel, it's uh, Cooter, and she goes, Daddy, I want a mineral. And I was like, all right, baby, what do you want to do? And she goes, I want to go to your room and I want a mineral. I'm in, I'm in, let's go. <laughs> so, so we went to the room and, and we got on the bed and I just loved watching her like kind of tuck into all the pillows and the blankets. She pulls it up and she's like, Dad, I wanna watch the Grinch. And I said, okay, we'll put on the Grinch. She loves the Jim Carrey's Grinch where he, she thinks it's the funniest thing where the Grinch is eating glass bottle. She just thinks it's beautiful and funny. But I'm laying there and she just grabs my arm just like wraps both her little arms around my arm. God, God spoke to me. He didn't speak audibly, but he was, I knew that that was a grace I didn't deserve. I still don't deserve. To the sweet, innocent touch of a child. That's a message I'll provide. 
I'm going to care for. Don't worry. Consider all the things that you and I take for granted. A, a hug from a loved one. A gaze from your lover. Like whatever it might be. Like that we take for granted. But all of these things are compiling. If we can just hear it. If we can just see it. Messages from God saying, I love you so much. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's a good father. And if you and I can begin to consider and tune our ear and place our gaze, we'll begin to hear it louder and experience it more. And we won't feel so empty. God's love and presence will be so full of him. And the last thing that he says is seek. Friends, it's simple. When the noise is gone, when we gaze and consider on the right things, go after that which is good. Continue to press the noise away and the loud stuff and all of the bloviators on the political scene, push it all away and go after what is good. Seek, don't worry, consider, seek, because he's a good father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed good and that we so often struggle with seeing it because we see the darkness and we see the things that don't matter. We worry about the things that aren't important. But I'm asking that you captivate our hearts. Draw us to you. Help us to see, to consider, and then draw us even more and more into the reality that you see, into the reality that you experience, into the reality that you invite us into. To Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, friends, this is the end of the year for us, and I'm just going to talk real. This is the end of the year. And at the end of the year is when churches and the people within the churches tend to give and to be generous. Uh, but we're not gathering right now. And I'm gonna be just so candid and clear and honest. Like, it's, it, it, it was a hard decision to make to meet online because of this reality. I mean, it's just real. And so I'm asking you not just to respond to the needs that we have, but also respond to the vision and the investment that we are, we are projecting. We really believe that God is going to continue to carry us, but also he's gonna bring us in to places of green pastures, that he is gonna bring us into a place that we can feel a sense of confidence about what he's doing and where he's taking us, but also that we can begin to make an investment and, and begin to expand our presence, the presence of Jesus in our city. And we're making big moves because we believe that we, here's, you know why we're making big moves? Because we want everything that God has for us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, but we step out in faith. 
And that's what we're doing. And so what our encouragement is, is to go to the give link. If I sent out an email to you just recently, there's a give link at the bottom of that email. You can go to the website, resurrectionchat.org, and you can click on the give tab. <laughs> if you want to send me your address, I will send a homing pigeon to your house to gather and to bring back. I'm just, I'm kind of joking. I'm just joking. But listen, we're, we want to thank you for your support and love to us and to our church, and to our staff, and to everything that goes on in here. But we also want to, we want to thank you for that, but we also want to encourage you to continue to respond to the way that Jesus lavishes love on us and his generosity upon us, which is big, it's gracious. It's, and so respond in faith by doing that. And I'm going to uh, pray for us. No, I lost it. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that we don't trust and place our trust in money or things. We place it in you, but we also know that you use things. And so we just want to thank you for the places that you brought us, the things that you have done for us, and the gifts that we receive and the things that happen. We also ask that you bless for, and use them for good. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.